I, I love that. I love that introduction. I, th I think that is fabulous. It's by Corey Kaup and Deirdre Broderick. True. It's just great. It's such a good one. We love that one. It's okay. the bloops and the bleeps. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a little bit short. I mean, we'd like something a little bit longer. I think it think works. So? Uh, anyway, everybody, welcome back to our Coffee Clutch. Heather Lofthouse, my former student, head of Inequality Media Civic Action, Inequality Media. You are uh, a super woman, super mother, super wife, super everything. Thank you. I mean, I do have my foibles, let's be clear. No, well, they're not apparent yet, um, but maybe in this interview, maybe in this <laughs> yeah. discussion. Uh, thank you for coffee. Thank you for accepting it. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> Um, so what, uh, this has been, you know, what we try to do, anybody out there, drop your chair. What we try to do on Saturday mornings is to talk about the week, you know, the highlights, lowlights, uh, the lights of the week. And I like to ask you questions that I think all of us want the answers to. Well, um, I have a lot of questions, but you go. Okay. You I'll go, start. You start. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about inflation. What did the Fed do this week? What does it mean? Inflation, inflation. The Fed raised interest rates, not surprisingly, but another three quarters of a percentage point. Now people say, all right, three quarters of a percentage point. Well, it adds up since March. It's been total, uh, you know, it was, it was almost zero in March. It's now up above... Sorry, that was my computer. See, foibles. <laughs> I told you it was up. It's it's now up above three percent, and uh, when you get up above three percent, it may not sound like much, but that's the federal funds rate, Heather. I mean, it means that mortgage rates are going up all over the country. Uh, if you want to get a car loan, if you want to get any kind of a loan, it's it's harder. It's more expensive. Uh, the, the economy is inevitably slowing. And the Fed wants it, to, wants it to slow because that's the way they fight inflation. Now, you also spoke in front of Congress this week. Yes. My testimony uh, was to say that the Fed's strategy of squeezing the economy to slow the economy to fight inflation is really very, very hard on workers. It means people are not going to get raises any raises, and certainly not raises that keep up with inflation. Uh, it means that we're going to face possibly a lot more joblessness in the future, uh, but it's not getting at the real, at the core problem of inflation, which is profit price inflation. That is, big corporations, uh, what they're doing is they're using inflation as a cover for raising their prices to consumers. And you can see it all over the economy. Uh, look at grocery prices. I mean, you've got big, uh, kind of four big uh, producers of meat, uh, processors of meat and poultry. They are raising their prices like mad. They can coordinate. There are only four of them. Uh, that's what they're doing. Uh, same thing with packaged goods. Same, same thing with, uh, with uh, goods based upon wheat products and, and butter. Uh, but go through the entire economy. Uh, and I did that in my testimony. Uh, and Congress, particularly the Democrats, uh, not the Republicans, but the Democrats were quite responsive. Good. We need this. Now, do, what's your favorite phrase for this? Corporate concentration? What well, we... I, I, what I've been saying is that instead of wage price inflation, which is the old model, what we really are seeing now is profit price inflation. Good. And it's profit price inflation. And as I urged Congress, the, the way to to, to tackle this is not relying solely on the Fed because the Federal Reserve Board has to keep raising interest rates 
it's such an indirect way of 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 getting to profit price inflation uh, through what uh, consumers who no longer have any income who are not going to be spending very much because they lose their jobs. I mean, think of the cruelty in that. No, the best way to do it is through cracking down on this pricing power, antitrust enforcement, uh, particularly uh, against the big firms that are dominant in their industries and are raising their prices. Uh, also, a windfall profits tax. Uh, I mean, that's that should be I mean, other countries, even even Great Britain has a windfall profits tax on oil companies. Um, and I, I mentioned to Congress something that I was a little bit hesitant to mention, uh, and that is price controls. But when you look at our history, particularly uh, and the analogy that came to my mind was coming out of World War II, we had inflation that is very, very similar to the kind of inflation we have now coming out of the pandemic. Uh, huge pent-up demand, uh, supply bottlenecks, uh, and uh, companies that were profiteering. Uh, so uh, the most eminent economist in this country said, we do need temporary price controls. And they said it in 1946, 47, uh, and the situation is the same today. So now whether Congress is going to do anything about right. it, this was one committee of Congress, uh, but um, that's the way these things begin. You know, you, you plant the seeds. Uh, luckily, uh, I, what I said was picked up on a lot of AM radio stations in yes. the Midwest. Yes. <laughs> well, look, uh, there are a lot of Republican members of Congress from, you know, whose, whose, mem- whose constituents listen to AM radio in the Midwest. Right. Um, and so it's a maybe, coup. I love that AM radio we're excited about. Well, AM radio, particularly in swing states, mm-hmm. is very, very important. Right. And if I can get these arguments on AM radio. I know, it's a win. And I think temporary price controls, I mean, it's temporary. Why is it that when you say price controls, people say that is the craziest thing I've ever heard? Because in Economics 101, uh, anybody who takes basic microeconomics is told price controls are distorting of markets. They make it impossible and reduce investment uh, in whatever you're trying to control the price of, which means that you don't have any more supply of it. Uh, and I think there's something to that argument, uh, but it's become almost a, a kind of a, an ideology, right? Uh, a religion. Uh, which, let's face it, economics is partly religious. Right. Um, so, uh, but I think that the circumstances now require at least rethinking that because what the Fed is doing is is going to hurt people. It's right. already hurting people. They don't know it. Um, I mean, they know it because they can't afford mortgages or if they're on a variable rate mortgage, their, their right. mortgage rate is going up or they, they can't get a car loan. Uh, but uh, they don't understand it. I don't think most people see it in terms of not getting the raise uh, that it matches inflation. Right. So people are clearly worried about worried about this. You see the polls that are coming out and Dems are a little bit ahead. What are the key issues that people are saying are important to them? And what does it mean if the Dems are ahead? And by a little bit or a lot, what does it mean? Well, Heather, I think the two big issues uh, that people are talking about out there, and I pay a lot of attention to focus groups. I'm more skeptical of polls, but let's just say that the polls are saying the same thing roughly. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is uh, inflation what we just talked about. Another is the future of democracy, which is very interesting to me because uh, I don't remember a time when Americans expressed that much concern 
about democracy going into an election. Uh, and I suppose you can be encouraged by that. Mm -hmm. You can also be pretty worried, pretty discouraged, because we've got uh, Republican candidates, Trumper Republican candidates who are saying things like, uh, I'm not going to be bound by the results of the next election. I'm not going to even be bound by the results of the November election. You know, you've got, you've got uh, uh, J.D. Vance in Ohio, and you've got uh, people who are... Um, a, a number of them. I think I'm, I'm trying to remember who the others are, who are there. There are at least six or seven Republicans running for the Senate or for gov uh, governorships who are saying uh, we are not going to be bound by the results. Right. Well, if they're done not, a cartoon of them. I saw them. If they're week. not going to be bound by the results of the election, oh, uh, Masters mm -hmm. uh, in uh, Arizona, uh, there others will come to me. They will come if we have about a half hour. Right. Uh, but if they're not going to be bound by the elections, what are they going to be bound by? I mean, what but that is... sentence is insane. I'm not going to be bound by elections? Well, it's not insane in the sense the traditional meaning of that was, well, I'm not going to be bound if there are really major irregularities and I want to appeal to the courts or I want uh, recounts. But that's not what they're talking right. about. They're talking in the Trump sense. I'm not going to be bound if I don't like the election right. results. And that's an open invitation to what? Violence? In the streets? But it's like a playground. I mean, it's like we're in a sandbox. I'm well, not going to be bound by the fact that you have my bucket and spade. Give it back. If it was as innocent as a sandbox, right. I would be much, right. I would be relieved. Uh, but this is, the, you kind of see this in terms of what's happening. The Trump rallies that he's been doing uh, are, are really turning into, they're morphing into kind of a QAnon cultish. Yes. Rallies. So talk to us about Youngstown. Well, that, that's a good example. Youngstown last Saturday, uh, you had music playing that was almost identical to the music that the QAnons uh, kind of refer to and play. Uh, people uh, holding up their index fingers. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it was almost like uh, you know, a Nazi rally in the 1920s and 30s. People holding up their index fingers. Uh, again, a QAnon symbol. Uh, Trump has, over the last two months... 30 times on Trump social, he has made reference to QAnon uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, or, or used QAnon symbols. Uh, this is a strategy. This is not, you, you look at that Youngstown speech, he did not deliver it in the way that he has gone on his rants in the past, which is getting off script. He was on script, which means that that script was thought through. That worries me. The whole production of it. Because, yes, this is a strategy. This is a planned strategy. Uh, and, uh, the, you know, it's bad enough to have, well, let's put it this way. It's bad enough to have fascism, but to have messianism mm -hmm. and fascism uh, is really worrying. Because, uh, and again, I want to I say this in a way that's not going to rattle people, but fascism at least is dealing with lies and distortions. Messianism isn't even dealing with facts. It's it's in another world. It's a religious world. It's a, it's a belief world. Right. Uh, and so, where do you go with it? How do you? How can we conduct our politics uh, if people are going to believe in the QAnon conspiracy? And that is gradually taking over much of the Republican Party.
So who can we learn from? People who extract people from cults? I mean, people who have studied cults? If this is if but, it's but how do you, untethered. How do you, what are we going to uh, kind of kidnap uh, the entire Republican Party? I mean, it's not de- the worst and, idea. And deprogram them? I know who, are you going to do that? I am liking this. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, the problem is we have a winner-take-all system of politics, which means we have a two governing parties. And if one goes off the rails, uh, goes, it's not just going rogue, it's really going off the rails, then where are we? I mean, uh, it's dangerous because any of these people uh, who are running, who are election deniers and are are, are slightly winking on, at the cult, um, well, if they get into power, uh, who knows what they're going to do? And we're talking about governors, senators, and secretaries of state in, in several of these states. So, uh, well, yes, I, I know. I don't want to. But I mean, I guess I, I have hope. Okay. So January 6th committee next Wednesday, that feels like I'm in reality. Yes. And that committee has done wonderful work in educating the public about what has happened uh, and what happened in the months leading up to January 6th and Trump's role uh, I mean, it's, it's almost been laying out the case right. for the attorney general, for Merrick Garland, uh, to uh, to take to prosecute Trump. Uh, but I'm not sure any Republicans are paying much attention. So uh, the majority. Let's let's be clear. Let's let's look at the cup half, you know, three quarters full, or at least two thirds full. Wow. The majority of Americans get it, and they're learning more and more about uh, about. The, the assault on democracy and what Trump and uh, all his followers, many of his followers, actually are doing. Uh, and that's good. And and that interest, that new renewed interest in saving and fortifying and strengthening our democracy uh, gives me a lot of encouragement. Uh, so maybe when we come out of all of this, that is the silver lining. Uh, but for now, it's it's pretty scary. Yeah. And you do have certain parts of, you know, government and institutions that are still doing the right thing and following the law. Yes. And the courts are doing uh, well. Well, they are doing well. Even Trump appointees to uh, the federal courts, um, you know, most of them uh, seem to be performing fairly well. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Trump appointees on the 11th Circuit, for example, uh, they just reversed that crazy uh, district court judge uh, decision in Florida about the secret documents right. uh, and said that the FBI uh, and the Justice Department could have access to them. Uh, well, uh, that's also a little bit cause for being encouraged. No, okay. no. you don't look encouraged. Uh, do I look? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's, I it's am. The start I'm of okay. The weekend. It's, it's... I ought to be upbeat. No, I'm upbeat. you shouldn't be. You, you should, should be. No, okay, I'll you be, be upbeat. You be upbeat. Okay, I'll you be, be downbeat. Well, I'll be beat. <laughs> Just regular old. Yeah. Um, okay. The one thing I wanted to say was last week you were out. We know that we played that terrific conversation you had with Ensei Ufad of New Georgia Project. And I thought it was speaking of upbeat. I mean, that was really motivational. So Wasn't it? I mean, she, she's fabulous. She's She is at that New Georgia Project. They are organizing on the ground. They are not taking no for an That's answer. They're, they not, they're not succumbing to cynicism. Uh, they're very hopeful uh, they're talking to people. And it's and, a combination of innovation with proven data-backed tactics. And with grassroots 
person to person talking. I mean, yeah. you know, we get in our in our political culture with all of the, you know, the pollsters and the political operatives, <clears throat> we tend to get all carried away with uh, the, the advertising and the uh, newfangled ways of reaching voters. Uh, and we tend to forget that the best way of reaching people is through their friends, through their neighbors, through one-to-one contact and talking, discussion. And, and the other thing is listening, is and what listening. she said, asking questions and listening. Eloquent listening. Yes. I mean, eloquent listening is a matter of you ask the question and, you know, how, what's, how are you? What's going on with your life? What's, what's bothering you? How's your, how's your job? And then you let them talk. You know what my mom says? A real listener listens with their eyes and their ears. Your mom is so wise. She <laughs> Are is you so, listening with your with I'm, your eyeballs? I, um, I always listen with my eyeballs. <laughs> I mean, really? Oh. Uh, okay, I'm going to play one. Penny tune. Fuller. Penny Fuller is your mom, I know and she, she is. is so sharp. Okay, so Joseph Lawson. He did our outro song for today. Okay, five, jo- six, seven, eight. Joseph Lawson, thank you so much, and uh, everybody out there. Uh, while we're paying, playing Joseph Lawson's song, his theme song, uh, I just want to thank you for joining us and thank you for being so loyal. I uh, hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And Heather, I hope you have a fabulous week thank as well. You. See you in seven days. See you soon. Bye. <laughs>